Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to The Real Nerds Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy, at Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. Do you like your stories told through pictures? Then you can also follow us at Real Nerds on Instagram. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. This is Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of movie fans everywhere. I am Ryan. With me is Brad. Hey. And Zach. Hello. And every week on Real Nerds, we see a new movie and podcast our experience to the world. This week, we saw Malignant. Stay tuned to the end of the episode where we'll say if we recommend the film or not play the trailer and then spoil it and yes there is spoilers in this movie so uh stay tuned for that we also talk about movies that are coming out on blu-ray movie news and stuff we've been watching throughout the week we love movies movies is what we do movies is who we are it's so ingrained in what we do we quote them from here to far (laughs) Yep, that's what I got. Clearly, <laughs> Ryan does not have rehearsed material for this podcast. <laughs> no, it's more fun if it's all improv. <laughs> I mean, I wish I had a movie quote at the top of my head to respond to your lovely elocution there, but I don't. <laughs> Get with the program. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll just do what I do always do. Talk my way out of it. Yes, I do. Every time. It's the best way to be. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Where's the energy, Ryan? Come on, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Yeah, come on, leader. <laughs> oh, it's always there. I mean, if I say something, you guys respond. This is how it works. Okay. I can't just um, I can't carry on the conversation with you know myself. Uh, Jesus. Um, um, banana. Banana. There we go. That saved it. What has everyone uh, been up to since the film explosion? Yeah. What have we been up to for an entire week? Um, Ryan, did you do anything interesting this weekend? Uh, not really. I, I've been playing, I got a PlayStation five. Finally been Ooh. playing that. What, um, what, have we, what have we been playing? Come on, spill some beats. Uh, Miles Morales, Spider-Man. Yeah. And, uh, ghost of Tsushima. What and, ghost of Tsushima? Hold on, back up. Yeah, explain. Uh, in it, you are a samurai warrior who, who is trying to stop these Mongols from invading uh, this village on the coast, and hmm. um, it does not go as planned. So you got to take care of business, as one would say. Hmm. It's really well made. Um, it's beautiful. 
and uh yeah it's fun spider-man is really fun i just got done uh fighting the rhino and yeah it's was, was he played by paul giamatti uh he did have a russian accent so he did <laughs> he, he was influenced um did he say i am a criminal <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> Uh, there is a game that's preloaded into the PlayStation. It's called uh, Astro's Playroom, I think is the name of it. Anyways, sure. you're this little robot, and it's really just getting you used to the PlayStation 5 controller. Which, I mean, it's exactly like the DualShock, but it's move, it, like it's smarter, and it's crazy. So you'll walk with a little robot guy, and each one of his steps vibrates left or right depending on what step it is and yeah it's yeah, the triggers are uh you can depending on how hard you push them down um it recognizes it it's they're they're pretty impressive hmm. um, so it's really it's kind of a demo but it's really uh it's pretty long i mean i've been playing it for a long time and um I think I still have one or two more hubs to explore. Um, okay. So I, I, I play that while I wait for the games to download because they're freaking huge. But yeah, yeah, it's well, fun. Once you, once you do, you're rocking and rolling. And and Ryan, uh, Brad, I know you were uh, hanging hanging out at the uh, High Plains Comedy Film Festival or the High Plains Comedy Festival. Yeah. No, not not just hanging out. I was taking photos of the whole thing. Oh, right on. How was it? Uh, I took 6,000 of them ish. So I have a lot of photos to look through. Mm. And uh, I, I yeah. saw the one with the cat. I like the cat one. Yeah, that's not part of the festival. That's just my. <laughs> There's a cat. I, uh, <laughs> at, that was at Mutiny uh, Bookstore. The cat just hangs out there. Totally chill. Yeah. Also, got uh, to watch one of their employees threaten someone with a cattle prod. That was fun. What? what? <laughs> well, you know, there's like just people wandering around down there and you know harassing customers and that weirdo harassed customers of the store and got pushed out and <laughs> told if he came back in he'd uh, get the cattle prod and the guy proved All that right. he had the cattle prod <laughs> that was fun and yeah, it's, I, it's, I didn't realize the mutiny info cafe turned into the the Sawyer farm <laughs> yeah it's wild down there on Friday Saturday nights so yes. I was I was working three venues at the same time, so I was constantly walking up and down the street, back and forth. So, got yourself a good workout then. Oh yeah, my <laughs> thighs are <laughs> quite sore, sore but sexy. Got to give it up for that. Now, you, now, now you can walk around with proud thighs, my friend. I'm really uncomfortable right now. <laughs> I will say I've been listening to Film Explosion 2011, which is Me the very too. first Film Explosion. <laughs> And a lot of it's really funny. Um, when James says that uh, is Zack Snyder, I mean, uh, James Gunn doesn't make another movie after Super, then it's okay. <laughs> and, uh, where he is now <laughs> makes that really funny. Was um, he not a fan of Super? Because I still no, have never he heard is. this one. It, no, his argument is that if Super is his last movie, then he got to make a movie he wanted to make. Uh, and oh, it's okay. kind of funny. Um, and it's nice seeing him make small stuff and you know maybe he'll yeah. do better in the future and he clearly did better <laughs> yeah it's it's really fascinating um there's a couple other 
things where uh, Brad talks about he's disappointed with Green Lantern and James just says DC sucks. And Brad <laughs> said he, he did not want to see a Justice League movie. There's just lots of stuff going on. They go, yeah. wow. Yeah, I said if, if Green Lantern failed, it would be like the catalyst for future poor performance from the D, from the DC universe. And yeah, I thought Man of Steel was good. Yeah. Yeah. So that was actually, I think Green Lantern was kind of the last uh, straw of, you know, that kind DC of movies that didn't quite live up to it because, uh, I mean, the next year was, you know, Dark Knight Rises. And then you had Man of Steel, then Suicide Squad. I mean, the first one, even no matter what you think about it, it was really successful. Batman v Superman was in between that. Yeah, still yeah, well, a ton of money it, for being maligned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just a, it's really interesting hearing our takes on stuff. I'm pretty sure my list is going to change. So um. <laughs> I, I still I I think this is the one film explosion I've never heard. So I guess I'll have to go back and listen to that one. It's also yeah. one of the only ones that has an actual original poster for it. Oh really? I mean, in, in so much that. Uh, I mean, we all have, they all have original posters, but, you know, for the movies, Brad would ape like a big movie and use that font and kind of that design. This one was more of like an old timey, like, uh, remind me of like a carnival Barker oh, poster. Um, yeah, I've, that... got, I've got one that says Film Explosion 2012 and it looks like it's got carnival font and then reels in the middle. Is this not the right one? Uh, 2012 is like the neon 80s. Yeah. Oh, so then but... I've got the. So then I've got the right one. It's a red one, right, Ryan? Yeah. Yeah, I'm okay. so proud of the design when I made it, and I'm just like, ugh, I've done so much better since then. But yeah, <laughs> the the whole goal at that time was like, you know, we were just figuring things out. So it was just like, it's, it was like shouting visually into the ether of like, <laughs> we have a podcast and we're doing a special episode of it. Pay attention. I know, we had like fans in, it, in attendance too. <laughs> in the beginning, they left yeah. like 20 minutes in. Yeah. And we also it's did just awards in that one, yeah. but... And that was frustrating to listen to. So it's like, yeah, really. This doesn't yeah, I mean, matter. We've gotten <laughs> we've gotten a lot better. <laughs> yeah, I mean the um, the part where we go into the movies is really good and funny, but um, the rest of the show is okay. I'm just looking at the blueberry image now on Google and Ryan. It, it I mean, it, you look way better than the cartoon. <laughs> oh, thank you. I mean, and also, I don't, I, I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I'm, I'm looking at your hair color wrong, which I don't have any real reason to look at your hair color, but I don't remember it being anywhere near blonde. <laughs> no, I had no, my hair's blonde. Just now, I'm old, and there's gray in it, so I look old. Oh, that's right. I guess you've always looked like an old fuck to me. <laughs> yep, always. <laughs> right on. Well, I'm, it sounds like you two had a. Uh, a fun weekend. Um, I just sat around and podcasted all weekend. So yeah, that's okay too. Well, yeah, that's what you like to do. Out, yeah, helping out the uh, punk rock horror podcast. So we did some coverage on Eli Roth, which you'll be able to hear this week. And uh, it was interesting, kind of learning more about his his career and just kind of like gauging it as a whole and not looking at it film by film. You know, I was, and then I uh, we'll we'll talk about it and what we've been watching. But I watched. I finally caught up with at least one of his 2018 films. Uh, that really surprised me. Lovely. Well, gentlemen, what else do we do on this show? 
Brad, take us around town. Hey, film buddies, follow me around Denver. The drive-in this week, uh, the 88, 88 drive-in has uh, the same lineup as many weeks have been Candyman, Old, and Don't Breathe 2, and it might be the same one for a while, because um, I think their season is almost over. Well, at least till October when Venom comes out, and then well, James Bond. and <laughs> Well, depending on the weather, and I, I've only been there once this entire season, so I don't know how business is, but uh, it wasn't... Uh, well attended earlier in the season. So they might just wrap it up at the end of September. So um, yeah, <laughs> get out there while you still can. Yeah. And then the holiday twin has <laughs> double check again. Yeah. Shang-Chi and black widow on one screen. Yeah, that's cool. And the Grinch stole Christmas and Christmas vacation on the other. So they're really getting ahead of the Christmas season, <laughs> All right. but they probably won't be open for wonderful um and i think before friday yeah they have just shang chi on one screen and footloose on the other so hey no dancing in that town no that i mean you've got to you've got to take out the religious zealot that is john lithgow that's that's the only way that the world can be at harmony my friends um well um is that all that's going on at the drive-in circuit sir uh yeah, the drive-in. I think there's something going on around town that's not driving related. Nope, that is it. I've got Friday Night Weird here up at the Dairy Arts Center in Boulder. You'll be able to see We Need to Do Something. Uh, it's a 2021 film from Sean King O'Grady. Seeking shelter from a storm, a family finds himself trapped for days with no sign of rescue and untold evils lurking just beyond the walls in this wildly funny House of Horrors thrill ride. So, yeah, head on up to the Dairy Arts Center in Boulder. $12. Show starts at 830. Very cool. Yeah. Hey, movie news happened this week. Unspool that reel. It's real news. Well, um, we we were gone last week, and uh, during the last week, a bunch of trailers dropped. So, I guess we need to talk about a, at least a couple of these. Um, let's uh, let's go ahead and start with the Hawkeye trailer uh, that came out. Um, I didn't think we were getting a Christmas Marvel story again, but here we go. That's this looks like fun. Yeah, I mean they Marvel shows they do or they, I mean I haven't ran across a Marvel show I don't think's been pretty good. So I, so is this, so is this a situation so when Ryan when I walked out of Black Widow with you and we saw uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus you let me know that I needed to watch Falcon Winter Soldier but yeah. I'm assuming a lot more of her stuff is going to tie into this one. Well, yeah, cuz I mean spoilers for Black Widow at the end um she shows up again and recruits black widow's sister yeah and so and she says do you want to know uh do you want to know who the man was that was responsible for your sister's death and she hands him a picture of hawkeye um yeah it looks cool and uh looks like Haley steinfeld's just been getting trained to be the new hawkeye and looks like a lot of fun um and then i wonder how also- julia louis dreyfus's character knew knows what happened on vormir do you think that the whole journey of the Avengers has been documented at some point in the MCU? Maybe. And we're just not aware of it. Maybe. But like, 
does the public know or is it just an interagency thing? That would be my question. Maybe she like might a- have she might have some friends in low places. That's I mean, that's possible. Think she's hacking into Stark Tech? <laughs> That'd be cool. I, I'd love to see I'd love to see some inner workings to figure out how all these holes are filled. Now that they've got the TV shows, they have every opportunity to do so. Um we also got a trailer for Guillermo del Toro's remake of the 1947 noir classic Nightmare Alley. Um, so, Ryan, if if my plans are correct for the MCU, it means December is going to be Defoe December because uh, we've got uh, a nice little shot of Willem Defoe in this Nightmare Alley trailer. But obviously, we're dealing with Bradley Cooper playing a mentalist in this movie. Um, for anybody who hasn't seen 1947's uh, Nightmare Alley, I highly recommend it. It's very, very good. Um, the ending is a situation where they had to tailor to uh, the needs of the era in regards to the code, but it's a fantastic movie. And I have a feeling that Guillermo del Toro is going to, I don't, I certainly don't think he's going to make a better version of it, but I think he's going to make an excellent version of it. Uh, so did you get a chance to see the trailer, Ryan? I did. I mean, it, um, yeah, it just looks like a noir film. But mm-hmm. Del Toro's but it's in the style. carnival. It's in the carnival, Ryan. Yep. <laughs> it's in the carnival. <laughs> it's going to be great. <laughs> um, and uh, we also got a uh, final trailer for Halloween Kills. And Ryan, I see that somebody's not really getting featured in this trailer. And it's one Tommy Doyle. So I have a, I have a sneaking suspicion that Tommy Doyle is going to have some kind of character turn in this movie. And they're trying to not reveal it. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, uh, I heard it get it's crazy. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't I didn't read the reviews too in depth because I don't want anything spoiled for me. But um, yeah, they, I, I read a couple of them and thankfully they were not going into spoiler territory. But it seemed like a lot of people were nonplussed with this where I'm just like, oh, uh, so maybe we're just getting a really fun sequel to this, which is exactly what it needs to be. I don't think it needs to try to exceed what that first one did. Yeah, um, I mean, there's a, I mean, I think Variety wasn't too nice to it, but I mean, I really don't care what quote unquote real critics say about it because some of them are snobby. And when I read the review, it wasn't, I don't know. It didn't seem that they're really reviewing the movie, but I don't know. They're, I'll they're, we'll they're reviewing their expectations off of what that first one did. That was what I got out of those reviews. Like yeah. they're, they're expecting something transcendent when they already got that and you're dealing with a franchise that has, you know, past its first entry has never really gone above and beyond their expectations. Like they've been slasher movies, which is what the sequels to these movies generally are. Um, like, I mean, frankly, that reboot was a slasher movie. Like, whereas the first original Halloween, it's a suspenseful horror film and it's got light slasher elements, but it's not till two that you get that full slasher motif. So, yep. Um, and it was interesting seeing um, uh, Kylie Richards back as um, as uh, Lindsay Wallace. Um, so hopefully she's got more to do than just a cameo. Um, I think the big shocker for me was seeing um, uh, 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 oh god, the nurse, the smoking nurse. I can never remember her fucking name. God damn it. Um, Rick Rosenthal's wife. Um, uh, uh, Mary, uh, nurse Marion, um, who, uh, I don't, I don't know why she's there or why they're bringing her back, 
but I, I'd be curious to see if it has anything to do with this supposed like opening that involves Will Patton in it. Um, and I didn't realize this, but Charles Cyphers is back as Sheriff Brackett. So that's, that's going to be fun. Uh, apparently he works security in Haddonfield, um, uh, at Haddonfield hospital. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, and then the final trailer that we got, um, that released while we were doing film explosion 2001 was matrix resurrections. Um, damn. Um, anybody else excited for this? Or am I the only one who's excited for this? <laughs> I mean, it, it looks kind of like they're redoing the first one. I mean, I don't know how Neo's alive, but I guess we're fixing to find out. Yeah. I think we're going to get a interesting take on it. There's some interviews that Lena Wachowski did where she basically said, you know, okay, um, if you guys, if Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers was basically going to do a Matrix movie without her or Lily, and that's when she finally said, all right, well, if you guys are just going to do it without us anyway, I might as well just try to figure something out. And apparently through some tragedy in her own life, she found a way to tell a, a Matrix story that she wanted to tell. So um, I, I'm excited to see it. I like the um, I like the idea. The, the imagery indicates ideas of how much the Matrix has evolved and changed or grown because I, I, we'll talk about it what we've been watching. But in Matrix Revolutions, they don't really indicate that the Matrix itself is dead. They just indicate that people will be given a choice of whether or not they want to leave. Um, so I- I'm curious to see how they get around that. And frankly, if this is supposed to spawn off more sequels or if this is just a one and done, because um, I wouldn't be surprised if this ends up being a one and done to prove a point. Um, but either way, look for Matrix Resurrections this Christmas. It looks like a um, re. It looks like all the greatest hits of the first movie and then all the best parts of the sequels. In in, yeah. in like a reboot movie, like the Force Awakens of the Matrix movies. <laughs> well, I, I would I would be inclined to agree with that notion in a positive light and add on to the fact that knowing what the Wachowskis have done in the past with upending expectations of what fans want versus what they want to do as artists, I'm very curious to see how it fucks with our heads a little bit. Whether or not people like it or not will be entirely up to the viewer, <laughs> but... I fully um, expect to watch it and just feel like I watched the original again, but with like, you know, modern effects. <laughs> that, that's my expectation. Is I'll leave just going like, huh, yeah, that was the first movie. Cool. Fair enough. Um, and then the last, the last trailer we got though, guys, was the most important. It was the tragedy of Macbeth by Joel Cohen, which we're not going to talk about it too much because it's something only I give a shit about. Um, but it's black and white in four three, and basically looks like Orson Welles's Macbeth. So I'm very, very curious. Uh, I mean, at the very, le- at the very least, for people who may not be interested in the arts artistic motif of it, we've got Denzel Washington and uh, Francis McDormand in a Shakespeare movie. So I think that's going to be a lot of fun for some folks. So um, yeah, look for Tragedy of Macbeth from Apple Films. Uh, and yay, won't yeah. watch it then. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still have Apple Plus, or no? I, I, I have it till the 26th of this month. Um, cause I keep, I forgot to not use it, but I mean, I really haven't watched anything on it. Mm. You should be watching Ted Lasso on it. Yeah. I'm surprised you haven't. Um, I was Ted going Lasso. to, but how much Corinne tweets about it and says how great it is. I don't want to watch it now. Dude, dude, <laughs> this is your You're boy here. Trust your best friend, Brad. 
you know, you don't watch a lot of what I recommend, but trust me on this. Just ignore that and watch it. Just pretend she doesn't watch it. And Brad okay. does. Because Brad said to watch it, I'll watch it. Yeah, it's like you could probably watch it in an evening. It's it's like 10 half hour episodes. It's like watching the second season of The Office or something. Okay. You'll enjoy it. It's funny. Right, I, have, I have four days. <laughs> Don't you like Scrubs? I thought you like Scrubs. I do like Scrubs. I think people from the Scrubs help make it. So, yeah, Zach Braff directed an episode or two. I think one of the producers too is like involved in this show. But yeah, it's. I mean, it just won a bunch of Emmys. Roy Kent. Yeah, I saw that. He's here. He's there. He's fucking everywhere. He's Roy Kent. He swears at children. You'll love it. Okay, okay, I'm down. <laughs> we're just we're just trying to help you live a better life, Ryan. In any way we I can. I appreciate it. Um, last piece of news that I have is unfortunately some sad news. Um, Norm Macdonald passed away at the age of sixty-one. Um, he was quietly fighting cancer. Um, and he died. Uh, the The news was announced on September fourteenth, the week we were doing Film Explosion two thousand eleven, so or two thousand one. So, um, uh. The uh, Brillstein, his management company, Brillstein Entertainment, uh, said he was most proud of his comedy. He never wanted the diagnosis to affect the way the audience or any of his loved ones saw him. Norm was a pure comic. He once wrote that a joke should catch someone by surprise. It should never pander. He certainly never pandered. Norm will be missed terribly. Uh, Norm Macdonald obviously started as a he started as a uh, a contestant on Star Search and then was hired as a writer on Roseanne before he moved into SNL and then got fired from SNL. Um, and, uh, uh, and he ended up uh, headlining his own films, such as Dirty Work and Screwed. Um, also starred in films like Dr. Doolittle and Billy Madison, would end up on My Name is Earl, The Middle, The Orville. Um, and he was the original voice of death in Family Guy. Um, yeah. Um, anybody have a fun Norm MacDonald memory? I've got one. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I posted it. My my friend Brandon and I used to reference his um, interview with Conan, where um, I, I forget her name. She's out there and she's promoting her leaving Melrose Place, and she finished a movie with Carrot Top called Chairman of the Board. And um, we just always say, "Oh, a Carrot Top movie was it called Box Office Poison?" <laughs> uh, love when he did that and um i actually had an opportunity to see him perform stand-up oh i think three years ago it was the adam sandler thing yeah so it was him adam sandler and david spade and rob schneider um it was a really good time and his brand of humor um is so unique and he you know he had this uh, what I always liked about when I watched him on talk shows or even Saturday night live is he didn't give two shits. If you thought it was funny or not, he was going to tell his joke his way and make it his own. And you either liked it or you didn't. And that was up to you. So I, <laughs> I always appreciated his dry sense of humor and there's a great supercut on YouTube. It's called, uh, Norm Macdonald constantly shitting on OJ Simpson. Mm-hmm. It's pretty great. <laughs> yep. Um, does anybody remember the uh, Comedy Central roast of Bob Saget when he got up and did his set? Oh, yeah. 
he he's he's a master at non-humor and he um i don't remember the exact setup off the top of my head because it's it was it, it's been a couple of days since i rewatched the clip but it, the there's a line about like his face looks like a flower yeah cauliflower and then there's just silence and all you hear is the comedy comedians comedians on stage laughing and nobody in the audience is really laughing until like 10 seconds later <laughs> Um, and there's an album that he did called Ridiculous, which is it's not a traditional stand up album. It's like a series of sketches. And it's just it's just wonderful to listen to. He took forever to produce it. And it came out in 2009. Um, so if anybody's never heard Ridiculous, you need to check that out. Also, I love the movie Dirty Work. And it's been a while since I've seen it. But I remember loving that movie when I first popped it on early in college because I was getting on. Norm Macdonald and Kevin Nealon were appealing to me heavily in college. Um, and Dirty Work's fun. Screwed is actually a fun movie. Um, and uh, yeah, he was always a fun supporting player amidst the Sandler gang. So it's 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 a shame. But it's, I, I, I didn't even realize he had a show on Netflix called um, Norm Macdonald Has a Show. So I, I guess I'll have to check this out. Um, Brad, do you have any fun Norm Macdonald memories or were you not a fan? <laughs> No, you guys took it all. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Perfect. But, but anyway, we'll miss you, Norm. Thank you very much for everything you gave us. And that's news. Corinne called in. She's back with the 38th installment of Catching the Classics. Hey, nerds. Corinne here for part 38 of Catching the Classics, where I watch famous and popular movies I've never seen before and send in my review. Yeah, we're bringing it back. It's only been like eight months since the last one. Uh, And the last one, incidentally, was a double feature of Seven Samurai and The Magnificent Seven. So we're going to keep the Akira Kurosawa theme going here. So part 38 is about Rashomon. Uh, Incidentally, it is on HBO Max if anybody's interested in checking it out. Yeah, (laughs) so I gotta say, I really wish I would have gone into it with a little bit different mindset because I knew the basic premise of Rashomon, which is, um, it's like four different people. They're all giving an account of the same, uh, incident that, uh, ended with someone being murdered or at least getting killed. (laughs) And, um, so it's just, you know, you get all these different perspectives And, of course, I've seen a lot of... I think that that was just, like, a thing in, like, the 90s, especially, where, you know, TV shows would always have, like, an episode where something happened and everybody had to walk through, like, their version of the story. And at the end, some new evidence or something would come to light and we would get some kind of definitive version of what really happened. So that's what I was expecting, is, like, by the end, we would know what really happened, who really killed this guy. Um, but that's not the case. Uh, mild spoilers, I guess. Um, yeah, the, at the end of the movie, you don't find out who did it. And so that was a little frustrating for me because, you know, big Sherlock Holmes fan, like murder mysteries. So, you know, the whole time I'm like trying to piece everything together and trying to figure out like, okay, so really, who really killed this guy? And so not getting a definitive answer was a little frustrating. But, uh, you know, I was reading some stuff about it afterwards and listening to other people's uh, analysis and, and interpretations or, or just their takes on the movie. 
And I mean, I, I really do appreciate it just in what it has given us as a culture, um, where it has taken this actual phenomena of, you know, people, you know, memories not being very reliable and how you have these kind of conflicting, uh, perspectives and stories about the same event. And, you know, this, it, it, the, the, phenomenon is actually even called the Rashomon effect or something like that um, because of this movie. So I got to give it props for that much. Like it is a huge uh, cultural impact. Um, So I guess like part of it was on me. (laughs) I should have went into it with a different, um, just, you know, differently, different expectations. But ultimately, even just looking at it as a film, like, it is really well put together, but I think it's a little long. Like, there's some sequences that feel purposefully drawn out, and I'm like, I think you could have cut this down. Like, this didn't need to be, you know, three minutes of a guy walking. Cool. Why not a minute and a half of him walking? Why did it have to be so long? Um, but anyway, you know, like, Akira Kurosawa is, like, a, you know, master class filmmaker, and... There are a lot of, like, cool camera techniques and angles on the shot and everything, but I was just like, wow, I was really impressed with it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it is in Japanese, so, you know, if you don't like subtitles, then I don't know what you're doing in this life, but okay. Um, But anyway, I thought the performances were okay. Obviously, I was mostly reading the subtitles, but, um, yeah, overall, good movie little long. I think the parts of it could have been trimmed. The ending especially felt kind of rushed for me. Like this, I don't want to spoil too much for you, but this thing kind of happens in the last like five to ten minutes. And I'm like, that just kind of came out of nowhere. Like, okay. Um, so anyway, uh, I do recommend people check it out if they haven't already seen it, um, just for the cultural value. Uh, Rashomon, it's on that, or sorry, it's on HBO Max. Um, and ultimately, I think I'd give it three and a half or four stars. Um, if I watched it again, I might give it a higher score now that I know what to expect, but that's just what I get out of a first viewing. So, anyway, don't know when I will do a ne- another one, maybe next week. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not for another eight months. But I'm not going to promise any particular movie. So I will watch what I can when I can. So, all right. Take care, nerds, and I'll talk to you all soon. Bye. That's what Corinne thought about that movie. Moving along. <laughs> I love the part where she talked about the thing that happened in that reel that one time. No, I'm the worst. I listened to it before we started, and I can't remember what she was talking about. Uh-oh. But it was something about uh, she was following up the Seven Samurai movie she was watching. Was she going back on Kurosawa? Yeah, it's uh, Ra- Rash- Rashomon. 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 There it is. It yeah, Rashomon. Yeah, I, I worked a 13 movie. and a half hours today. But yeah, that's the one she watched. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, Rashomon uh, from Akira Kurosawa. It's, uh, it's one of many legendary films made by a legendary director. You should probably check it out. Yep. What Corinne said about yeah. it. <laughs> she better have liked it. <laughs>
we uh, sometimes pick up movies on Blu-ray and 4K. And we're going to tell you about the ones that we most likely will get. DVD releases and Blu-rays. Wonderful. Well, while we were gone last week, we should point out that Black Widow is available on 4K and Blu-ray in steelbook form and in regular format, along with the Shawshank Redemption in 4K. So if you want those two movies, get them. Uh, this week, though, um, you can go hang out with your droogies in 4K because the Clockwork Orange is coming to you from 1971 Stanley Cooper controversial classic. Um, yeah. we're also it's one of those movies that people love of his like the shining and i think is just okay i it's been a while since i've rewatched clockwork orange i don't know what my assessment of it would be today um i think i've watched the shining more than i've watched that one so maybe i like the shining more but i I think the shining is the most overrated horror film of all time we know we know (laughs) because it's not scary it's just stupid oh okay I, i i'm uh, it's not my favorite horror movie, but I'm glad that people enjoy it. Um, not me. I have better taste in horror films. Okay, fair enough. Well, how about this? It's not a horror film, but do you like M. Night Shyamalan's Unbreakable? Yes. Then you can get it in 4K if you so want that. Um, I did. <laughs> Brad did it, and he got it in 4K. Did you get the steelbook? Duh. <laughs> Is the steelbook cool, Brad? I haven't even seen a picture of the steelbook. Oh yeah, um, it's like purple and green and uh, Ooh, green goblin colors. Yeah, like, yeah, it's like shattered <laughs> on the cover here, and like um, Mr. Glasses, like his face is kind of fading through. Uh, did, David, David Dunn's, yeah, David Dunn's, you know, costume. I guess is little. What the fuck is it called? The raincoat man. <laughs> Yeah, raincoat. I guess poncho. That's yeah. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I think Samuel Jackson is great in that film. Yep, it's my, my favorite Shyamalan film. Yeah, there you go. Too. Can't go wrong there. Well, um, if you if you uh, while you're out and about getting that, you might also want to pick up the Longest Yard on Blu-ray with Adam Sandler and Chris Rock. The remake. Yeah, I got of that the in the mail today. You did. Woohoo! It's one of those uh, movies of his. I couldn't believe wasn't on Blu-ray. I think it made something almost $175 million. Well, was it as big a hit as his other ones, I guess? like I mean, $175 million is a really big hit. But compared to other films he's made, I guess, is one of my questions. Oh, yeah. I mean. Huh. Fair enough. Um, and uh, this is a movie that I'm not familiar with. Maybe you are, um, uh, Ryan. We've got from Vestron. Oh, no, wait, no. Dementia 13, I'm aware of. Yeah, you can get Dementia 13 from Francis Ford Coppola. <laughs> I was going to say, um, okay. <laughs> no, sorry. I don't know which one I'm looking at here. Oh, the other one. Sorry, Straight Time with Dustin Hoffman from 1978. Uh, it's coming yep. to the Warner Archive. You ever heard of this? Nope. Looks interesting. Uh, after being released on parole, a burglar attempts to go straight, get a regular job, and just go by the rules. He soon finds himself back in jail at the hands of a power-hungry parole officer. When he's released again, he assaults the parole officer, steals his car, and returns to a life of crime. Dustin Hoffman doesn't seem capable of doing all those horrendous things. But then again, we never know who, we, uh, who, who we're looking at here. Uh, the uh, 2005 Longest Yard did $192 million worldwide. Mm. Okay, never mind, Ryan. You're right. That should have been on Blu-ray a while ago. I'm always right, Zach. 
you know Soon what? Come al- get along, get on board. You know what, Ryan? going to be for all of us. If you don't, if if you don't, uh, if you don't, you don't keep it down. I'm going to have a breakdown with Kurt Russell from 1997. Uh, from, that movie's good. From Paramount Classics. I've never seen it before. I've seen it a long time. But it's one of those 90 thrillers movies that are pretty good. Yeah, I'm a I'm a Kurt Russell guy. I've never seen this one. Uh, a man searches for his missing wife after his car breaks down in the middle of the desert. Mm. Directed by Jonathan Mostow of Terminator 3 fame. Um, Warner Archive is also fame? giving us the naked. <laughs> what? Go ahead. Has, I, has he done anything since then? <laughs> I don't know if Jonathan Mostow has been working since then. That's a good question, Brad. Um while you're looking that up, maybe you can uh, uh, also pre-order The Naked Spur with James Stewart and Janet Lee from 1953 from Warner Archive. Um, or if you're wanting some Mel Gibson and Goldie Hawn in your life, you can get Bird on a Wire from 1990 coming to you from Kino Lorber. Also, if you're really, really in the mood to just torture yourself, uh, the Crocodile Dundee trilogy uh, coming to you from Blu-ray and digital containing all three of those Crocodile Dundee films. So I'm sure James is picking this up immediately, right? Like he was the first in line to get it. Um, And uh, we're also getting Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid from Kino Lorber. So we originally got a universal release of this, but now Kino Lorber is picking it up for their uh, label. Also, this week, you can get Cruella in 4K, um, which I'm actually tempted to pick up because I did like that movie and I'd like it enough to actually own it. Um, Criterion is putting out Love and Basketball, the Gina, Pri- Gina Prince Blythewood movie uh, from 2000. And Warner Archive is also putting out The Window uh, with Barbara Hale, Bobby Driscoll, Arthur Kennedy, Paul Stewart and Ruth Roman. Uh, and it looks like Paramount's going back into their well with Hardball, uh, the 2001 film with Keanu Reeves and Diane Lane about a man who just needs to teach kids how to play baseball in Caprini Green uh, and um, thus save the world. Um, we saw I that, think that movie's theater. not too bad either. No, it's 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 got a lot of heart to it. I don't remember much of it, but I remember that soundtrack occupying a lot of my brain because it was the first time I ever heard Biggie Smalls. So, um, wait, Cabrini Green, Cabrini Green, yes, is that where the Candyman is? That is where the Candyman is. Do you? Oh my Those god, poor Ryan. kids. Those poor kids. Ryan, is Hardball Those... a Candy Candyman spinoff that we're just not looking into? <laughs> yeah, like it is. <laughs> That's my spot on Keanu Reeves. It would it would be a hard left turn if at the end of Hardball you just had Tony Todd show up. (laughs) I'm down. Uh, And the last thing that I'm sure everybody is picking up is um, Family. You can get Family on 4K and Blu-ray. Is anybody else here picking up Family? I didn't think so. Um, uh, that's Zach's joke for I think Furious Nine. No, it's just family, Ryan. That's what it's called. It's family. That's all you need is family, right? So all you need is the steelbook. Nope. <laughs> Exercise and running a joke into the ground. I don't. I don't care. He, he, you know what? There have been nine of these movies. They've already done that. They've already ran the joke into the ground themselves. Um, and that's new. Or that's Blu-ray. Sorry. We watch things throughout the week in a segment I call what we've been watching so uh yeah this is the stuff we've been watching brad oh man we had a film explosion last week and i watched a ton of stuff during that week (laughs) 
so how do I break this up? All right. I'll start out with the Disney stuff. Um, you know, I was watching a bunch of Disney 90s classics on Disney Plus, uh, starting with The Big Green, which I haven't seen since the 90s. And that's fun. It's Is that the soccer movie? Yeah, it's the soccer one. Uh, the kids in... I think it's Elma, Texas. Uh, they have nothing better to do except just screw around all day and go to, and go to school. And then they get a new teacher from England, and she introduces them to soccer and uh, Steve Gutenberg or football. Or football. Um, and Steve Gutenberg is the uh, town sheriff who helps out with them and everything, and they try to compete. And you know they take on the big. Uh, dominating team and and beat them the end Uh, (laughs) i guess the creative part of that movie is the the goalie whenever he's being uh like chased down by the opposing team he uh he gets really scared and he imagines them as monsters so he hallucinates that they're monsters and then gets you know scored on constantly so he has to overcome that and imagine himself as the monster yep oh and then I, I watched, get what they did there. Yeah. And then I watched The Sandlot for the first time. Apparently that's a movie people love. And I say that's a great movie starting at the very end. <laughs> <laughs> wow. The best Me. part is uh, what the actual drama is when the kid steals the baseball and then loses it and they have to get it back. Uh, everything else is just episodic, uh, you know, fun things that they did over the summer. The The actual drama of the movie is the kid steals his dad's baseball and gets it lost and then it, it's boomer nostalgia brad what's what's not to love <laughs> um yeah and then they meet james l jones and it turns out he's not uh an evil guy and yeah he, he solves other problems so yeah um i made the joke about it but i like that movie a lot it, it's i i i don't think it's as wonderful as everybody says it is but i do enjoy it like there's yeah, fun I, moments in it yeah, it's, it's fun stuff. Um, but like the, the best part is the you know last 15 minutes for me. Um, then I also watched something that I had fond memories of, but I, I probably watched it once back in the 80s. And then uh, I gave it a shot today. And uh, that movie is called Flight of the Navigator. I used to love that movie when I was little. Yeah, that movie belongs on How Did This Get Made? Because it's insane. <laughs> um it took 45 minutes to an hour to actually get to the ship. <laughs> really? God, man. Yeah. I had that much patience when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, and I, like everything I remember from it is from the ship part. Right. So it felt like I was watching a completely different movie leading up to it. Um, this kid, I forget his name. Um, he lives in like South Florida and they drop his brother off at a friend's house to like hang out, but he doesn't go with him. So he goes home. And then like shortly thereafter, his mom's like, Hey, go get your brother. So he walks through the woods and then like falls in a ravine because his brother pops out of a, like a tree somewhere and scares him. And then he wakes up and suddenly he's like six or seven years in the future. Um, and he's been missing for all that time and his parents have moved. So like the, uh, the law enforcement gets involved and then, um like nasa is uh uh howard hessman is like this nasa guy who's uh like simultaneously tracking this ship they found and then um they find out the kid has some 
like why was this kid missing and why hasn't he aged in seven years uh so they connect up and then yeah and then like sarah jessica parker is like the nursemaid because they eventually bring him to nasa and like the weird thing is they want to bring him to nasa and this kid's like i don't trust nasa like of all the government agencies like you could like not want to be involved with like this movie says it's nasa like he's super suspicious of them and so he's like eventually after some convincing he goes he gets locked in a room he's like okay i was right to be suspicious something's going on here and really they're just like trying to hold him as long as they can to do these tests uh to see if like they can get him inside the ship and eventually he sneaks out of his room and gets inside the ship and then takes off on his little navigator thing and then the uh the uh the ship itself like i'm watching it 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 has like a you know a a kind of like a computer voice and then it like flip-flops between having a peewee herman voice i was like (laughs) listen because he's trying to like like he he downloads stuff from the kid's head and then it get like it just gets sillier because it's like melded with him and then i was like man uh this guy was doing this is from like 1986 i'm like i guess Paul, uh, Paul Rubens ripped off the peewee voice from this <laughs> uh, movie and I looked it up and he's it is Paul Rubens but he's going under a pseudonym so he was oh. trying <laughs> out the voice in that movie um, wait is it peewee's big adventure 85 I think you're it is. right it is yeah it is yes okay I guess I was thinking more of the sh- cartoon show but you're right the adventure was from 85 so yeah he snuck that in there um. Yeah, I forget what like the fake name is, but yeah, if you look it up online, it's it's Paul Rubens is the voice of that ship. Um, yeah, and then just like flies around a bunch and like, yeah, he's constantly trying to escape NASA and uh, yeah, like the last twenty minutes is just that, like it's, it's the smallest portion of the movie and it's just really just kind of flying to different places and trying to control the ship and like nothing becomes of it. Like he eventually gets off and goes home. Uh, oh, oh yeah I forgot the, 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 the dilemma is that the ship he hasn't aged because uh, the ship like it was, was kind of like interstellar where depending on how far out you go like time is different you know time passes differently Yeah. so he didn't age and then you know got dropped off seven years later um, but something like he was supposed to be a specimen for it but they didn't get all the information of his brain. So, uh, you know, they wanted to download it again. And then uh, the kid wanted to go back to his own time. But the ship was like, well, if I send you back to your own time, it could actually like kill you. So I can't do that. And by the end of it, it's like, okay, we'll just do it. And then he does it and everything's fine. So <laughs> there's like no, there's no real drama to it in the end. But the special effects mm-hmm. and like the ship are really cool, you know, being all practical and whatnot. That's probably the yeah. best part of the movie is the production design. Um, yeah, then I watched the score, Rush Hour 2, and Gene Silent Bob's right back, and I talked about those on last week's Film Explosion, so I'll skip that. Uh, I rewatched Ted, I think, for the first time since it came out, and that's fun. Um, yeah, I like that movie a lot. Yeah, it's uh, way raunchier than, when I, when I rem- uh, than what I remember, and that's great. Yeah, um, I, my favorite joke in there, there's no such thing as chicks with dicks, only dudes with tits. <laughs> uh, and then uh, another movie I hadn't seen from that year in a while, I think since the theater, was The Five-Year Engagement. And I liked that way more the second time around. Uh, oh, with yeah. uh, Siegel and Emily Blunt? Yeah. 
because not only is it like really funny, but it's also like so it it's really slow. Like it felt like a two and a half hour movie, but yeah. it just it just goes into such a detail of the strain that you know drawing out this engagement puts on these two people. Um, and I it might have been longer because I think I watched it on Hulu and it was like branded as the uh, like the the extended edition. So yes. like I couldn't tell what scenes were new and old, but like that's might be obviously why it felt longer. So um yeah, overall that that was actually a lot of fun. Uh you forget like Chris Pratt and like Allison Breer in it, you know, before they were oh, yeah. huge. So it's fun seeing them before their their rise. Uh and then Anger Management, the Adam Sandler movie with Jack Nicholson. Um kind of dopey, but there's some good parts to it. Uh, and then because Norm MacDonald died, I watched Dirty Work. Which yes. I hadn't seen since the 90s. And yeah, it's like this very much like his humor. Um, uh, yep. He and his uh, best friend, they're really good at pulling revenge pranks. So um, their dad goes to the hospital. He needs like a heart transplant or something. So they have to raise the money and they do that by starting a revenge business. And uh that's about it. It's crazy. <laughs> and, and a bunch of you know, SNL people pop in here and there, like Adam Sandler's the devil. Um, yeah. I, I, I love to, because even in that movie, Norm Macdonald has what I was talking about earlier. I don't care at all. Um, he's not a good actor. No, <laughs> but there's something funny about when he's in jail and he says, you know what hurts the most? Well, besides that one part is the <laughs> lack of respect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like I think intentionally, like no one is acting well in this movie because they know everything just doesn't matter. Um, yeah, it's stupid, but also fun. Chris Farley is the uh, like the guy at the end of the bar who has his nose bit off by a, uh, a Saigon whore. Saigon whore, yeah. <laughs> uh, There's the Saigon whore, <laughs> and later he's like commanding the skunks, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's that I watched oh yeah the last like uh, two old old things uh, other people's money I watched for the first time with Danny DeVito um, he's like a shitty Wall Street guy who wants to buy out this uh, cable company and um, he has to do a bunch of lawyer stuff to screw them over and then he has to go up against Penelope Ann Miller who's the rival lawyer who's related to the uh, Gregory Peck who owns the cable company and he falls for her and they have like a will they won't they I guess sort of romance for the most time she hates him because he's you know he's trying to ruin these people's lives but then he has like the Wall Street moment at the end where he basically argues how greed is good again um, so that was alright um and then what was the other? oh yeah, Raw Deal with Schwarzenegger. I hadn't seen before. Uh, that's and an that, all right one. Yeah, that's definitely another had this get made one. Like <laughs> uh, he's like a small town sheriff who is having a rough time with his wife. I guess they moved to a small town to avoid some criminal case or something. So she's frustrated, and he decides that the way to solve this is to fake his own death and commit to this other case where his higher up, 
I guess his son got killed in a stakeout or something. So they decided to like fake his death and then uh, give him a new identity so he can infiltrate this crime ring. Um, and yeah, it's like one of the lines, like a lot of the dialogue's terrible. Uh, one of the lines, like there's this undercover uh, cop who walks up to a, a car that's like sitting out, like watching the, the, the uh, safe house or whatever. And she's like, when's the last time you had a good piss? And like hold, pulls a gun on him and like walks him to the door so they can like get the guys inside to open the door. And yeah, <laughs> it's just like, what a weird line to do. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff like that. Uh, yeah, and then the new stuff I watched. Did I talk about the Lost Leonardo documentary? No. no. Um, yeah, that'll make you make you hate like economics and the global, uh, the art world globally um so the lost leonardo is a documentary about um a couple years ago someone found a painting in like new orleans just in a random place uh, pulled it out and said like this looks like a leonardo da vinci but it's probably like a student of leonardo da vinci's painting right so we'll, we'll sell it for a little bit and turn a profit i think they made like eight million dollars on it and then in the hype got around. So this Russian or this guy who was like intermediate for Russian billionaires found out about it and then bought it and then turned it around for even more money. Um, I think he made like $20 million profit on top of that. And then the Russian guy who bought it, you know, thought it was a real Da Vinci and that's why he got so much money for it and found out he was screwed over. And then uh, sold it again and then it like remember in um tenant the safe house where people hold their, all their artwork mm-hmm. um, yeah. this movie shows the real place i forget what it's called like a specific name for those like safe storage places that are like in between you know they're at airports um in geneva customs. so that yeah customs it's yeah there's a free port that's what it is it's a free port and so um it got shelved in there, and then um, uh, I forget what happened to get it out again. But basically, it, it ended up in Christie's of New York, right? And then people are saying, you know, it, it went through a bunch of scholars, and people are saying it's an actual lost Da Vinci work. So it goes on the auction block, and I think the highest piece of art, the most any piece of art auctioned for, was like a hundred million dollars. And this one went up to 400 million. So it was like this wow. big deal. And it's ridiculous. And it's like, it may not even be, it still may not even be a real Da Vinci work, but it's just like the hype and everything and the marketing behind this stuff. And it was like unconventional for Christie's to even have like a marketing event for this. And then it goes to the Louvre uh, or it gets invited to go to the Louvre from the new buyer and the new buyer is anonymous. Right. Um, but that's like so much money that everyone is pretty sure it's from uh, it was bought by the prince of Saudi Arabia and eventually you find out. Yes. And then he wants it in the Louvre, you know, just to like, you know, as a flex. Right. But it can't be in the Louvre because it's not not like they can't verify that it's an actual Da Vinci. Um, so he gets butthurt and doesn't show it there. 
and then like just creates like an outdoor art installation in Saudi Arabia that you know he wants to promote like everyone to come to and um yeah it's just all the twists and turns of all these people overvaluing this piece of art and all the money involved with it you're just like ugh so frustrating but yeah the documentary is pretty good just seeing a glimpse into the the darker side of the art world and how you know billionaires can just ruin it all like just make it about themselves and not the art you know yep yep Uh, it's a status symbol yeah it's just it's all about status it's not about the art so this is all to say eat the rich anyway yeah and then the last thing I watched uh, was a so the JRTs reopened, um, yay, which is great. Uh, I know they're showing the uh, Boris Karloff documentary there from Shout Factory. I'm working Ooh. that day, but um, is it only one day? Yep. Fuck, I think not it's, too bad. Yeah, sometime in October. You can go to shoutfactory.com to see. Going right now. Yeah, so immediately I wanted to go and say like, hey, welcome back. And they had three movies and one was a documentary about Broadway and the other, I don't know what it was, but it was just a lightning bolt on a poster. And then the last one was a poster with Juliette Binoche on it. And I was like, well, she is, uh, seems to be like, she's um, she's in good movies, right? So I guess I'll see that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's called Who You Think I Am. And it's about a woman, a divorce a recently divorced woman who just feels is in a rut in her life and does, wants to feel attractive again. And um, uh, she uh, meets this guy through this other guy that she's seeing and decides to basically catfish him. And so she builds a Facebook profile and pretends to be, you know, some young 20 year old. Uh, and eventually, you know, has to eventually meet up with him because he he eventually wants to meet her, and she can't do it because you know she feels like an ugly forty year old, and uh, this stresses him out. And this is where the movie gets weird. Is I thought he killed himself, <laughs> so she deals with the consequences of that, but like it turns out she's writing this book. And so this whole thing may have been a story. She made it for the book, but then mm. um, he's still alive at the end. So I guess part of it was a fantasy, but yeah, but it, it, it basically just the movie amounts to um, catfishing is wrong. Don't do it. You can ruin lives. She almost does. And uh, yeah, just be okay with being old. So and it was it was in French the whole time with subtitles, so I might have missed something. And that's Ugh. why maybe the uh, third act was a little confusing. So what was the movie with the lightning bolt? I don't know. I like I didn't get past the poster. Huh. Um. Yeah, you missed a secret screening of Flash. That's what that was. Yep. Okay. The Flash. You missed out Michael Keaton's return. Jeez, dude, way to drop the ball. Wait, that's a Michael Keaton movie. Uh, it's talking about the Flash, where it's the Flash from DC Comics. Oh, you're making this because, up. I got gotcha. you. Yes, because <laughs> his, his logo is a lightning bolt that's yellow. 
<laughs> I mean, it could have been a Thor movie. True. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was all right. Uh, just, yeah. It was intentionally weird at the end. I'm not seeing this for the Boris Karloff doc, Ryan. I think you're lying to me. Yep. What'd you watch this week, Zach? Well, since I can't find out about the Boris Karloff documentary that I want to see, uh, I'll just talk about the bullshit I watched. Now, um, so uh, after we were done recording the last time we did a review, um, I uh, kicked back and I watched a movie called Dead of Night uh, from 1945, which is an anthology uh, from um, uh, Elstree Studios. And um, it's... uh, Ryan, I, I kind of want you to watch it and tell me what you think of it. I really liked it, um, but it's not—it's um, not what we're—it's not what you're used to with anthologies um, from the horror realm because it's not because it's made in the '40s. It's—it's it's got to go a certain route, and it is British horror, so it's not that you know they're not going to go with just like you know they're not going to show everything like an American sensibility would. It de- deals with a lot of atmosphere. But I think you'd like it, especially because it keeps ramping itself up with each installment. Um, the whole story centers around a gentleman, really, who uh, is has an appointment at this house. And he goes into the house and he realizes that he's been having a dream about all of these people. And what he's hiding is, is that eventually he's going to commit a murder. And they all try to tell him that the the destiny and the fate is nonsense. And they talk about their own supernatural experiences to try to quell his fears. And each story gets rapidly more insane than the last. Um, It's really fantastic. Um, And I'm usually, I'm a sucker for scary ventriloquist dolls in uh, horror movies. And this one's probably got the scariest of them all. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It's a, I won't spoil it because it's the final segment, Ryan, but there's a, there's an image in there that, no matter how old that movie is, that thing is fucking terrifying. Like just goddamn, like kill it with fire. Terrifying. Um, and, uh, so yeah, if you've, uh, if you check out dead of night, you will not be disappointed by any stretch. Um, and I rewatched Friday the 13th cause I just wanted to kick back to a slasher movie and that movie's still wonderful. Um, and then what was not so wonderful was sitting down with a hammer movie, from 1948 called river patrol um it's a crime movie it lasts 43 minutes um and it i want to be kind because i know there's people out there uh that i'm that i'm friends with that enjoyed this movie but i was not a fan of this movie uh it is um shoddily put together uh it does not have really any true cohesion the whole story centers around the river patrol among the Thames uh, and an undercover cop trying to start stop a ring of nylon smugglers. Uh, and it's just it's Hammer Studios post-war clearly trying to get their feet back up after the war. And I just feel like they they needed to make a programmer just to keep to reinvigorate the business and keep it going. And Sadly, it doesn't really work. However, uh, I didn't find it to be completely worthless. There are there are interesting moments in it, but it's not. It's just not worth. Uh, I don't. I don't think it's personally worth 
like actively seeking out other than a curiosity and hammer horror um, or hammer studios history, I should say. Um, I will say though, that it has all the plot makings of an interesting Guy Ritchie movie. If Guy Ritchie were to remake this movie, I'd probably love the shit out of that movie. Uh, but, and like you get Jason Statham in that lead role and you get Eddie Marzan as the villain. I think this would be a great remake of a movie because he could be, he could be funny with it. Uh, but the movie I think is just, unfortunately it falls pretty flat. So I don't recommend river patrol. However, if you like that movie and you had fun with it and it's B movie cheesy goodness, I totally get it. It, it, it has the makings of an MST three K. And so you can, you can have fun with it. Um, but just wasn't for me. Um, and then I decided, well, I'll go with something that is for me. So I went through the matrix trilogy in a night. First one's still great. I still sequels, not much else to really report other than I'm excited for matrix Revo- matrix resurrections. Um, and then I went ahead and, uh, did some stuff for the punk rock horror podcast this week, uh, amongst which was reviewing a Eli Roth movie I had not seen yet called The House with a Clock in Its Walls. And I love this movie. It's a lot of fun. Hey, Ryan, you were right. This movie was a lot of fun. I remembered you were yeah, again. It. You're just proving my point. I'm always right. I know. And case in point, you were absolutely right. This is a lot of fun. If anybody doesn't know what it is, uh, uh, a young kid's parents die and his uh, uh, eccentric uncle played by Jack Black, Uncle Jonathan, sends for his nephew to come and live with him in his creepy house <laughs> that's alive. Uh, she, he has a friend. Uh, the, uh, the, the name is Fleming, played by Kate Blanchett. Uh, and the nephew slowly finds out that, hey, my, my uncle's a warlock. And uh, hey, can you teach me magic, Uncle Jack Black? And he's like, yeah, sure. Squibbly bam. And uh, he teaches him magic. And at the same time, they've got to uh, stop an evil curse that um is inhabiting the house basically there's a there's a clock hidden in the house that keeps ticking ticking all night and the 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 uh the hour mark on the clock is slowly going backward from four chimes to three chimes and they have to figure out what it's all about um i thought ryan i think i was texting you this after i saw the movie but there was some actual like interesting moments of terror in this movie that i wasn't expecting um Kyle McLaughlin's in the movie um and he's great and they give him this like creepier than usual makeup to deal with for a kids movie I guess my expectation is is that a kids movie in this day and age I'm not expecting it to push that kind of Amblin boundary um but being that this company is Amblin and from looking it up it apparently said that Steven Spielberg was insisting that this project have scarier elements in it that um it it totally pays off um there's elements of dealing with post traumatic stress disorder during world war 2 uh after after world war 2 and also the consequences of world war 2 are stuck in this movie and i'm like this is pg and there's far- there's a farting topiary lion in this movie i don't understand how this magical thing is working right now but it is um so yeah if you haven't seen with a house with a clock in its walls especially if you've got a kid i think you're gonna have fun with this movie uh it's got yeah, some uh, kellen loves it and i, I get Kate it Blanchett <laughs> is beautiful in this film oh my god she is oh my god her um when she uh finally learns how to do her magic again to save them i like cheered in my seat <laughs> I was like, this is so much fun. She, I, it, because her backstory is so fucking tragic. <laughs> like, 
Yeah. It was and I um I, I didn't know this uh property at all, but it is based on a book series and the book series uh as it's continued since the death of the original author was co-written by somebody I was working with on the Jack Benny convention back in February, Brad Strickland. Um, he wrote the later installments. So I kind of hope they find a way to keep that series going because I'd love to see uh, Strickland get some credit for his work. Um, but I'm, I'm curious to check out these books now. Uh, they sound like a lot of fun. Um, and then um I went ahead and went down a Disney rabbit hole and I rewatched the reluctant dragon and fun and fancy free Uh, fun and fancy free. I've seen a bunch. We don't need to talk about one of Disney's greatest movies ever made. I'm here to talk about the reluctant dragon, um, which I have not seen Ryan since college when I got the Walt Disney treasures behind the scenes DVD Mm -hmm. from the library. Um, I remembered all the stuff showing the multiplane camera, um, the train whistle and um, the showing of the reluctant dragon itself. I'd completely forgot that this story is all centered around Robert Benchley's wife, nagging him into pitching a story to Walt Disney. (laughs) Like I just was, I just, I had just completely, completely forgotten that. And just watching him trying to avoid the nerdy Disney guard. (laughs) It was just a lot of fun. It's like a slick hour and 13 minutes of just Disney clearly trying to buy some time to make those other movies. And I do think it actually works as a fun piece of entertainment. Um, And I do like the fact that you get uh, a look into the process, albeit heavily manufactured by the Disney, by, by Disney at that time to make it look idyllic because this movie came out amidst the strike. So uh, there's a lot of baggage attached to that, but um, it's one of the best special features that could ever be possibly placed on that um, uh, two pack because it looks beautiful in Blu-ray. Like they actually did upgrade it. I wish it was. I wish it wasn't just a bonus feature. Like I do actively wish it was kind of like on its own disc, but I think that's just me being picky. Um, and then I saw a noir at film club called Harriet Craig with Joan Crawford. This movie is available on YouTube, and it is astoundingly great and I wasn't expecting it to be Uh, it's about a woman who basically is trying to keep her husband close to her at every single point to the to uh, all the way to the uh, to the desperate action of lying to his boss about his behavior because she's that clingy and just the way it's shot by Vincent Sherman and just the way the dramatic upswing goes up and down in a melodramatic fashion with this like sharp, sinister look, uh, you get invested. It's like it, it's, it easily hooks you in Crawford's great knit. Um, and I, I do recommend if you want to check out a Joan Crawford movie, that'll just kind of like sit you down for that good hour and a half and just transfix you. Like you cannot go wrong with the film. Um, and then the last thing I watched uh, just before recording was the children's hour, which I'm going to be doing as part of an episode for Ballyhoo uh, has Audrey Hepburn and Shirley MacLaine and a young James Garner right after he had gotten off of his contract for Maverick after basically suing Warner brothers to get out of it. Um, and it's a movie about two women played by MacLaine and Hepburn who run a school for girls um, and 
their school starts dissolving when one of the girls who is misbehaving lies to her grandmother about the uh, about Hepburn and McLean being lesbians. And this movie is made in 1961, directed by William Wyler, who established director of the Golden Age. And uh, I was astounded by the mastery at, uh, at hand in this movie because I thought I knew where it was going to go. And in the last 15 to 20 minutes, they pull something under the rug that just I just was not expecting them to do it. And where it goes from in that last 20 minutes is heartbreaking. Um, Consequently, and I'll bring this up in my episode of Ballyhoo, uh, the little girl who lies to her grandmother about them being in a lesbian relationship is on par with Rhoda from the bad seed as one of the most sociopathic children I've ever seen on a film, on a film period. Uh, It was astounding, like how devilishly like, sinister she was but unlike Rhoda and the bad seed it's not like horror fun like she is just terrible um so yeah if if you want to see this movie it's on prime and it's an hour and 49 minutes and i i i do genuinely think it will grip you because of how honest it is given the limitations they have to work in at that time um, Ryan, I told, I already texted you. Like, I do think you will like this movie, like, and for, a, for on prime for free or you're, you're not investing anything. So other than your time, looks good. Yeah. And that's all I watched this week. Uh, I, I actually didn't watch too much. I got my, uh, Woody Woodpecker screwball classics. <laughs> in. Um, it's really fun. Uh, his character really changed throughout the first 25 cartoons he was in. Um, yeah. In this set, I guess he's in a couple more. Um, they don't actually have his first appearance in this. They have his first uh, starring role, which is the cartoons called Woody Woodpecker. His appearance changed a lot, but he's kind of a, he's just a goofy character. Uh, kind of, he reminds me of Daffy duck if daffy duck wasn't so cynical if he had, <laughs> and, uh, if he had stayed loony essentially yeah um so yeah if you take the daffy duck from porky's duck hunt or um his first appearance yeah that's basically who woody woodpecker is i will say though if you get the uh the blu-ray it's it's well worth it because not only do you get the 25 cartoons but it comes with a ton of bonus features and uh one is a whole new documentary about making woody woodpecker and then they have a bunch of uh ones that are older but i've i've never seen them but it deals uh with the creation of him uh the people behind his uh creation and the cartoons it's pretty great um is there any documentary on walter lance in it uh yeah so it it deals with uh so the first one is kind of an overview of Woody Woodpecker and then it goes into his origins and the, the voice of him. And I guess universal commissioned a bunch of new Woody Woodpecker cartoons with the movie that was just dumped on uh, Netflix, which is awful. Uh, Kellen loves it, but it's an awful movie. Um, but it's pretty fun. Uh, so, yeah, if you like old cartoons and they did a really great job of uh, remastering them. Um, so uh, 
yeah, if you if you have any interest, I like I always say, get these Blu-rays because I want to see them continue to release cartoon shorts on Blu-ray. Um, I watched uh, this movie called The Girl on the Third Floor, which is awful. It's a haunted house movie that stars CM Punk from he's in he's a wrestler. Um, it's about a guy who goes to a house that he is him and his wife bought. She's pregnant and uh, she's not there yet. So he's renovating the house as he's renovating the house. Supernatural things start to happen. And the movie kind of goes off its rails because they don't fully explain what's happening, which is okay, but it's just one stupid setup after another. And the revelation of what the house is is just dumb uh the i don't know there's a thing with marbles that doesn't make any sense um this did debut at telluride horror show when i went in 2019 and people raved about it in fact it has an 87 percent uh rating on rotten tomatoes but the audience gave it a 22 percent it's really interesting uh there's that much discrepancy, but yeah, like I said, it's not that great. Um, you kept, I kept on waiting for it to be like violent or something and not at all. I mean, there's gore in it, but it's just, dumb. uh, I rewatched Hansel and Gretel because it came out on 4k. Uh, I should say Hansel and Gretel witch hunters. And that's fun because sometimes in, horror films or um, uh, like movies that have a lot of makeup effects in 4k really showcases how great they are. Uh, And then the costume design with lots of leathers and lots of detail and lots of texture The the upgrade is very, very noticeable and the movie's fun. If you haven't seen it, Jeremy Renner and Gemma Arton stars Hansel and Gretel and they go around and kill a bunch of witches and they're called to this town because they have a witch problem and they take care of it. Pretty deep storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fun. And uh, the last thing I watched this week is a film called the return, which is a movie I got. Uh, I'm pretty sure when trade smart was going out of business and I picked it up because uh, Sarah Michelle Geller is in it and she plays a traveling saleswoman who doesn't want to go to Texas because of a uh, memory she has there um, with her father. And so she ends up going cause she's trying to close this account with this cattle person, something like that. And while she's there, the visions become more real and she's remembering something from her past and she's haunted by something that's supernatural. And this film, it looks really nice, but it suffers from the mid two thousands of the jump scares where it's really quick. And then it's the sound of, I don't know, kind of like a woman screaming where it's a quick cut and it's like, and it just really takes me out of the movie. Um, I mean, it, it's well made. The acting and it's really good. 
the twist is kind of stupid and it's not scary. I watched all the special features and the director was talking about how he really wanted to make a scary movie. And while the film looks really nice, I don't think he succeeded in a scary movie. It's more of kind of like a mystery thriller. Um, and it is uh, Adam Scott's in it. And it has to be one of his early like roles. And in it, he plays his, this douchebag ex-boyfriend of Sarah Michelle Geller, which I didn't know that he was a douchey ex-boyfriend until I watched the special features because they edited out about a six, seven minute scene with him, which is in the deleted scenes where he talks about how much he misses her and that their protection order expired. And now he can stalk her again, but that was all taken out of the movie. So I had no idea how he randomly showed up in a bar and threatened Sarah Michelle Gellar. It was really bizarre. Um, yeah. So it's okay. But when it's 85 minutes long and it feels like it's two hours, time for a new movie <laughs> and that's all i watched this week neat uh this week on real nerds we saw malignant brad should people well how about do you recommend malignant um well it's tough because there's one really cool aspect of it that I, I really liked and then like there's like 5% that I liked and 95 I didn't <laughs> so but like that that little 5% is great so um, yeah I, I, I was watching it I was like this is dumb where's this going because uh, for a, a good opening chunk of it I'm kind of like who are these people why do they matter where's this going what's this movie going to be um, I hope it becomes this one thing because that would be awesome. But I don't think this movie has the balls to do it. And then they get to it. I'm like, yep. Wow. They had the balls to do that thing. Um, I, I was going to use that for my own movies and now I can't. So that sucks. So um, yeah, um, I think if you can hang in there and wait for the end, you'll have a lot of fun, but it, it's it's a tough road to get there. <laughs> Zach, do you recommend Malignant? Uh, I do. Um, we, I can't really talk about it until after the trailer. Um, but I will say that I did not watch the trailer for this film and went in completely blind. And I was gobsmacked by several elements. Um, the film is not perfect in every single respect, but it is a damn entertaining movie. Uh, and it has a lot of guts by the end of by that by that third uh, by that third act. Um, I was very very pleased watching it. So yeah, I do recommend you go check it out. But I would recommend not watching a trailer beforehand um, and just going in blank. Uh, so there, I posted about this even before the we did film explosion because when James Wan puts out a horror film, I'll usually go see it and. I'm in Brad's boat. However, I think I enjoyed the build up to it a little more than he did. Um, but what Brad mentioned and what I'll say too before we get, and if you want to see this movie, please watch it before you listen to this part of our podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but to have the balls to do what they did, 
um, makes me go, yes, um, James Wan is able to do what he wants. And he decided he was going to do what he wants. And we're all just going to buckle in and go for the ride. And I really respect him as a filmmaker for doing it. Uh, so, yes, I think you should check it out. Here is the trailer for Malignant. When I was young, something happened to me. Stop saying that. Daddy, who are you talking to? Gabriel. Is he your imaginary friend? Whatever you went through before you joined our family, it hurt you in a way that I can't even imagine. You created him. Daddy, what's going on? So that you could survive. I wanted to do something that was a bit different, but yet hark back to my roots. You gotta take chances. If you don't, you end up making the same old thing again and again and again. I think audiences are starved for something that's new and different. Turn back the hands of time. Close your eyes. She's there too. Who is he? Gabriel. Who is Gabriel? I'm the only one that can see him. That's him. He wants to talk to you. Malignant. Uh, I can't can't remember the character's name. I, I'm the worst. It's Maddie. Um, uh, um, well, her well, her name is. She's got two different names. So how do we want to? Well, let me explain the film first, Zach. Um, All right. What's her? What's her first name? Is it Maddie? It's her, a, her adopted Maddie, name is Maddie. Yeah. yeah. So she is uh, pregnant, and her husband comes home and is pissed and throws her against a wall and she hits her head really hard. She locks him out of the bedroom. He sleeps on the couch and then he's viciously murdered in the middle of the night by some unknown entity. Mm-hmm. Um, she shadow. doesn't know what, <laughs> yes, the shadow knows. Um, <laughs> kill. Uh, yeah. So she doesn't know what's going on. The mystery slowly. I mean, they give you kind of a thing at the beginning, that there's some sort of monster. Uh, and, you know, when I, so she hits her head and then she's also starts seeing all these grisly murders starting to happen. And as the film progresses, it starts, uh, her world starts unraveling. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when I watched this for the first time, cause they really emphasized her hitting her head. I thought that maybe this was all the, 
like a nightmare or a dream that she had. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it's in the title, like malignant. I mean, it's in the title with like a tumor. Um, <laughs> what you learn is the killer who's named Gabriel is actually her twin that was growing in her head. Like a t- that, it's like a tumorous thing. Yeah, that was removed, except it all wasn't removed. So when she hit her head and cracked open her head, he came back. And yep. <laughs> there's a reveal with her adopted mother and sister where you see the, the tumor monster thing. In the back go, of her head. <laughs> yeah, and you go, oh shit, this is crazy well it's not just in her head it's like fused to her spine and it has like its own limbs because it's, it's a conjoined twin yeah 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 but well, uh, the when... amazing part is it also like once it's ex- extracted and the the single piece is left in it uh as just a part of her brain it can control her entire body so it completely like reverses her like skeletal structure yeah yeah and yeah. it's but they also don't they don't play that part up very at the beginning where you think it might just be her being the killer. And then she's put in jail and uh, she turns into Gabriel and just goes fucking ape shit, mm-hmm. punching of- holes in like the, the convicts and ripping their body parts off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then she goes and after then, the cops. Yeah. Then she, yeah, she kills them for no reason besides wanting her jacket back or his jacket back i guess it's a she's gabriel now gabriel needs uh, his costume yeah well yep. it, his costume has context that the the prior to that revelation the movie's playing out like a giallo film because the moment you saw black i saw black gloves and then i'm like oh cool he's doing this this is not expected all right james i'm on board and yeah it's when he, uh when he puts on the costume though as Gabriel, when Gabriel, quote unquote, puts on the costume again, and you're watching him basically like do it backwards because that's like the impetus of this. Like, my head was trying to wrap my wrap around the logic of it, but I'm gonna make a statement here that I think might uh, uh, make some people frustrated, and I apologize if it does. They do backwards acting kind of things in here better than Tenet does. <laughs> like, well- there was just a creepiness to it that just lent to what they were doing on screen as opposed to just watching it backwards action sequence. So like, uh, if you read an interview with James Wan, he there's actually a contort, contortness who did that. Oh, really? <laughs> so uh, some of it's obviously CGI enhanced, but they got an actual performer to do the the backwards stuff. Oh, and um, but, you know, to, on on Brad's point, the lead up to it, the the acting isn't very good in the movie. Oh, the dialogue um, is so bad. Like when she's like reveals that she's to a sister that she's adopted. Like, yeah, uh, there. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just but it, it's part of that whole genre of film where it's lit really weird. It's, you know, the blues and the reds. Um, it's like Suspiria. Yeah, yeah. It's a Jalo movie. <laughs> I was going to say that this movie is like has a little piece of like every horror movie that's ever been made in it. <laughs> um, yeah. Like the, the whole, the detectives and everything feels right out of his own saw movies. And then when they trap Gabriel at the <laughs> end and shut the door on him is like the ending of saw. Um, True. And, and then suddenly there's like 
the uh like the action movie when uh Gabriel's like matrixing 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 through the the whole police station and like bullet timing, out, yeah bullet timing and then um uh shoot i forgot the other ones but yeah like mostly yeah and then like the weird like like rock music cues and then like sometimes there's an the 80s music cues sometimes like the 90s one for like uh you know like right out of like the 90s horror movies and stuff like yeah i was like who did chose the <laughs> the soundtrack for this like it's all over the place it is and there's you know i like i said i respect james wan for just going for it and basically saying you know what this is a movie i'm gonna make and i have enough clout now between aquaman and you know the fast movies i've made and the horror films i've made the conjuring that I can make the movie I want to make and he doesn't pull any punches. It's super violent. And um, it's just, I mean, you have to be a go along with the ride and you have to suspend your disbelief. I mean, you brought up the matrixing of Gabriel. I mean, there's a part in the police station where he runs up the wall and then climbs out like Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And then when you, the reveal of him, you go, wait, how could he even do that with her being backwards? Cause she's still a normal person. Um, yeah. And but, he's been dormant since he was an infant. So it's like, how did he yeah. train to become this like parkour expert? But I will say that some of the dialogue is silly, but uh, Annabelle Wallace, who plays uh, Maddie and Gabe uh, and Gabriel in parts, she's really good when she turns oh yeah um Did, but yeah i mean i i love the like punching of the like ripping the heart out and shit and and it's one of those things where you you have to see this movie to believe it it's just fuck it let's throw everything on the wall and see what sticks Did I, do you know do you know what it felt like ryan because it's from new line it felt like the kind of movies new line used to put out mm-hmm. <laughs> like it like some some wacky chance that they'd take before Warner Brothers fully engulfed them. Like this is that was kind of lovely to watch. <laughs> like just to see them going like fuck it. Yeah, here's 40 million dollars. Go do whatever the fuck you want to do. <laughs> Did I hear correctly when the the her mom and her sister are reviewing this like the the hospital tape? Mm-hmm. Her mom calls the doctors cock knockers, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, you heard that right. That was weird. <laughs> <laughs> I always love too that I don't know where what hospitals in real life <laughs> always have like the one video kit tapes of all their like things the they've sessions, done. Yeah. Sessions and the uh records are always in some creepy fucking basement. Like <laughs> that, that, by the way, in that basement, when she puts down she says she has one box down and then she puts the other box down and suddenly that's the one that she definitely needs to look through. It's a weird cut where it's just like there was no searching involved. You just knew which box to go to. Yep. It's by the way, not labeled. Let's back up a bit. Um huge, huge facility built on the edge of a cliff, uh abandoned oh, for years. <laughs> no one's demolished it. And she drives to it and it's in the she daytime. Near the it, cliff. She looks. It's in the daytime. She looks across the way. It's only like you know a couple miles down the road. She drives up to the cliff. It's pitched like late night now. So I don't know how <laughs> long that curve was. 
Yeah, uh, why did she park so close to the edge? Right on the edge. I went with asked that question out loud, and I was like, I have no idea. Just go with it. <laughs> like that can't be the only parking spot <laughs> on the property. <laughs> is right on the edge of the cliff. Um, and then yeah, like so easy to just like walk through the gate, <laughs> scale, like find the basement, find the tapes. Like, yeah. like no one's cleaned it out. Uh, I so mean, silly. I mean, my guess is, um, you know hospitals would have to take the records with them if they close or if it's closed they would have to either transfer where their patients went or shred them like yeah i don't think you can just leave medical records unsupervised it was the the 90s ryan nobody gave a shit they just left (laughs) them in the building in the basement of an abandoned hospital on the side of a cliff (laughs) they're they're saying you know what i don't think anybody's going to come in here let's just leave the doors unlocked and (laughs) The rep the reputational will keep people out. The reputation will yeah. just keep them out. <laughs> Relying on urban legend to make sure nobody enters in here to to unveil the the revelation of terrifying teratoma, <laughs> like <Yes>. gone bananas. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I, I I like all that aside though. I really loved it. I had fun with this. This is a solid B movie. I what dug it. What was up with like they made a big deal of like Detective Lonely Hearts like uh, that had to be an actor who's like friends with somebody right to have their own like weird subplot. <laughs> oh the oh the the medical examiner who who is just like very very close to Shaw. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. They, made, they like made some things about her being single, but like it never amounted to anything, and like she had like she was featured later but it had no bearing on the plot really she's got to like be scared and hide in the the uh evidence room for a little bit it was, it's it's, just yeah that was a, character that was weird how she was super attracted to the detective it just made me remember that i think she was like just looking for love in general like it could have been anybody like it's weird that they gave that character that much of a subplot <laughs> it's um, true guy yeah, i don't even think about that they set it up in the beginning like like oh here's detective lonely hearts and like you think that's gonna like have a bearing on anything that happens later but it doesn't because she also yeah she hides from gabriel and then she's never seen from again (laughs) yeah like i guess she yeah she helps out the detective who got her like stomach slashed but yeah she's never seen after that yeah and even like the main detective like gets impaled with uh in the shoulder with that blade or whatever but the movie just ends in the hospital room on that like pull out it's like i assume he's okay waiting for the (laughs) <laughs> they did that when they trapped gabriel in his own mind yeah <laughs> that's what i mean i was waiting for the the music though from yeah, you were, oh you were waiting for hello zap yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah i totally <laughs> thought there was gonna be a post-credits thing and there wasn't nope well i think i don't know but i i have a feeling this is just a one and done this is just something funny wanted to do plus like i i do want to know the aftermath because like she has to go to jail right oh i still think you're responsible yeah <laughs> You can't just let someone like that run around town. <laughs> <laughs> so who knows when they're going to snap again? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Overall, yeah. Yeah. Worth watching. Yeah. I have no idea what we're watching this week. Um, yeah. We're still let me know if you guys Venom. think of something. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I could think of is that uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead movie on Netflix called Kate. Um, I don't have Netflix. Uh, okay then um i don't know <laughs> i don't know what's in theaters right now because i think i've seen everything in theaters 
Yeah, but I guess we I'll, skipped uh, Don't Breathe 2 and The Protégé. And... Yeah, but can, are they still in the theater? So I, I looked, I don't remember seeing them. But we'll think of something. Yeah. Uh, thank you, yeah, because it's just Devin, it's just Dear Evan Hansen, yeah. That's hey, right. There's a movie called Puppet Killer at the Pavilions right now. <laughs> oh, Puppet actually, Killer? I watched the trailer for that, and I thought it was only like a one-night fathom thing is it playing more than once because i'll totally see that movie because it looks like shit uh i think yeah i think tonight was it Fuck. it's like this elmo puppet that kills people <laughs> that's too bad yeah the trailer makes it look not very good and really low budget but it's one of those things where i'm on board because it's so silly you know like jack frost yep <laughs> <laughs> yeah don't be too and the protege are still out and respect and that's about it that we okay. haven't seen. I mean, the last Leonardo, I saw that. Okay. Not yeah. as a Tammy Faye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cop shop. Yeah. Um, Cry Macho. And yeah. Yeah, sorry for on Netflix. What? Yeah, it's all right. I'll, I'll post um I'll post maybe a, a pool a poll where uh the movies that are in theater and someone can pick for us yeah sure good. cool Sweet. well until next week thank you boys and we will see you at the movies mm-hmm. bye bye thank you for listening to this episode of real nerds podcast Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening and have a nice day.